Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. We're your hosts, Jill. Dave. Uh, your name's Don. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don. Who's staring at you so, like, wistfully. Well, What's <laughs> my line? <laughs> I didn't hear Davey. I thought, I thought uh, Craig said uh, something. Craig. And Craig, for the record. <laughs> We're a skeleton crew this week. We are, yeah. Steve and Gracia <clears throat> apparently don't love us anymore, and I don't know. But to be honest, we're the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope they tune in. <laughs> oh, they will. Steve is my quality control, so mm-hmm. watch what you say about Steve. Okay, well, with that long, luscious hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so usually Gracia does our drink of the week, but we're making Craig work extra hard this week. So, Craig, what's the drink? The drink this time around is the Cape Cotter. I want to do do something that was in theme for the Boston Marathon bombings this week, um, but it seems like there's no actually good Boston native drink. Cape Cotter is as closest it gets. Particularly for bombings? Yes, that's right. <laughs> or if you want to get bombed, anyway. Ah. <laughs> I also thought about doing White Russian, but I didn't in any way want to tip my hat to those clowns who pulled off the bombings, so mm. Cape Cotter it is. So, the Cape Cotter is about as simple a drink as you can get. It's vodka and cranberry juice, and if you feel like it, you can throw some lime in there as well, which is what I've done. I'm the only one drinking the actual drink this week. Yeah, Trust me, it's it's good if you like cranberry juice. Yeah, the rest <laughs> of us are uh, pretty much, well, Dad's never teetotaling. He's drinking wine. Um, but some things I like to do with Cape Cotters, too, is use a flavored vodka, like a raspberry vodka or something like that. It gives it like a little extra taste, but... Not today. You know, it's great for your bladder. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) Nothing like an alcohol cranberry juice cleanse. Yeah. (laughs) You're right up. I can take that tip because we've got two flavored vodkas downstairs just waiting for future podcast episodes so we can drink every flavor of Cape Cotter there is. Yeah. All right. So we're pretty excited this week, I guess, because Craig has decided to participate in the crime telling, which this is his first attempt at it. So if he sucks, it's all because of the Canadian education system. Mm-hmm. But Craig, <laughs> what are you talking to do, us about? Do they have one up there? I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel like they sit in those little classrooms with their little um, independent chalkboards and they yeah. tap oh, out yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, it's some of the biggest igloos in Canada are actually classrooms. Uh, they teach you all about <laughs> caribou hunting and snowmobiling mm. and hockey, of course. Of course, Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> All right, so what are we talking about this week? It is the Boston Marathon bombings from 2013. Um, we're going to go over the crimes and a little bit about the clowns who actually did this. And then I expect we're going to go into week two where we talk much more about you know why they did it, trying to understand what was going on. Oh, this is a two-parter? It's yeah. got to be. Yeah, yeah, I looked it's at so all rich. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, I didn't time. know how we could do time. it otherwise. I, yeah. Yeah. So, without any more ado, let's launch into it. I think most of us and our listeners remember probably fairly clearly a lot of the details of this, but we'll uh, kind of cover that well, ground. We a do little. have foreign listeners, too, so they might not have heard oh, as yeah, much. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Point, I mean, Dave. Well, yep. um, yeah, I mean. So. Yep, so there we go. Um, Everybody will get caught up in no time flat. So it was April 15th, 2013, at 2.49 p.m. that two bombs went off 
in Boston, near the finish line of the Boston Marathon on Boylston Street. These were pressure cooker bombs that were in a couple of backpacks, and they were placed among a crowd of people who were near the finish line, out on a nice day to watch the race, and they were full of shrapnel, so they were designed basically to shred people apart, which they did, um, killing three. A woman who was 23, a woman who was 29, and an eight-year-old boy were all killed. And the most commonly quoted number of wounded was 264 people, men, women, and children, of course. 16 of them lost legs, uh, various lost eyes, limbs, etc. cetera. Uh, really ugly scene. And, uh, you know, it was reminiscent of sort of terrorist attacks that you see in other countries, but not, uh, not anything I can ever recall seeing in North America. So, looks like terrorism. Um, it kind of smells like terrorism. In my opinion, it's kind of quasi-terrorism because there was more to it that was going on with these guys than just terrorism. You know, if it's terrorism, we're talking about someone who's got a political goal. Um, these chuckleheads, I don't think, had any real goal. But, uh, you know, we'll get more into the, to the sort of psychological aspect of what they were doing and why. So... That was the uh, main crime that we're all familiar with. Most of us probably remember the chase that happened a few days later where the police released footage of the two suspects. And these are the Sarnayev brothers, Tamerlan, the older brother, and Johar, the younger brother. So they released footage of the suspects because they wanted some help tracking these guys down. And they had pretty good footage that was taken from near where the bombs went off that shows these two guys walking through a crowd both carrying a backpack. You and know, getting that footage was, was quite a story in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, uh, they went through thousands of face recognition exercises, and uh, it was a hell of a story. That in and of itself, it was just a daunting task. I also remember that that was... So I was working in Bedford at the time, which isn't far from Boston, for those who aren't familiar with Massachusetts, probably about 20, 25 miles. Um, and... I had traded cars that day with my, my wife, who drove a gray CRV. And on the news that night, there was a report that they were looking for people in a gray CRV. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> Open fire. It's some overtime. Good news, though. Dave uh, made it. You know, I, I was getting a security clearance check, uh, which should have only taken... I don't know what week two weeks at the most for an IT job. It went on for months because of this. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, carry on. Yes, <laughs> and please do interrupt as much as possible. Yes, of course. <laughs> and never say you're sorry. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. Thanks, Steve. Um, so anyway, the two perpetrators here, the suspects that were caught on film, were Tamerlan, who was a known loser at that point in his life, and Johar, who was apparently not a known loser was seeming to become a loser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. More of a loser than he appeared. Because <laughs> he was apparently well-adjusted. Apparently, you know, he was an immigrant, a Chechen immigrant, um, and apparently doing pretty well, for the most part, socializing in the U.S. But uh, it probably looked a little bit better on the outside than it really did on the inside. But to everybody's best guess, he seemed like a pretty well-adjusted, pretty successful, normal American kid loved playing way too much video games, drinking and partying too much, smoking too much weed, so pretty standard. 
anyway, so these guys were seen walking through the crowd with backpacks on, putting them down, leaving. Bomb goes off. Uh, they actually have Johar on camera, not apparently at all phased by the bombs going off, which is fairly incriminating. Um, so there were a lot of people who saw this who knew both the brothers and kind of had this, oh, I know those guys reaction. So two of the people who had that reaction were Tamerlan and Johar. And they see themselves and they're like, oh shit, we need to get out of here. So they did. They got all spooked and they left uh, their place in Cambridge and went to MIT where they ambushed an MIT police officer, a guy named Sean Collier. And they just walked up and shot him through the through the window. He didn't even know that they were there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and why would they even bother doing that? Just because they like to kill? I don't know. But uh, their idea at this time was they needed to find a way to get away. They needed to get a car. And apparently thought they needed to get a gun. So they tried to steal his gun, but they couldn't figure out how to get it out of the holster. So anybody who hasn't already <laughs> caught on to what criminal masterminds these fuckheads are, <laughs> this should help you a little bit. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, whenever I place bombs anywhere, I'm pretty much concerned about being caught on camera anyhow. But then... <laughs> now, one thing also, and forgive me if you're already going to cover this later, but they were going to go to Times Square in New York once they got the car or something like that. Yeah, that was the plan. They wanted to go to Times Square. And although they had set off a couple of bombs in Boston, they had built more than that. And so it was kind of their plan to, well, at least go to Times Square. And I don't know if they had any further plans beyond that, but that's the ones that we know of. So, yeah, and that leads into the next crime that these guys committed, which was a carjacking of a guy named Dun Meng. And this was a bit of a mistake. Um, what they did, it started off successfully enough for our criminals. Uh, Tamerlan carjacked this guy in his Mercedes SUV, uh, puts a gun to his head, and tells him to start driving. Um, he told the guy that he was the marathon bomber, or one of the marathon bombers, I'm not sure which. So, confession, that's nice. Um, and he forced the guy to drive around and take a whole lot of money out of ATMs because they needed the money because these losers didn't have any. And uh, they were actually trying to get him to drive them to New York City. So they were looking to go to Times Square and continue their uh, good times there. But, um, <laughs> like I say, they're criminal masterminds. So they stop at a gas station and just basically trusted the guy to behave himself and not do anything like escape, which didn't work very well for them, <laughs> thankfully. Hey, where'd he go? <laughs> so he escaped, and he called and the police. he didn't bring them their burritos, either. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cold. <laughs> so he calls the police, which is a good move, and he had left his cell phone in his car, which is also a good move, because then the police were able to track the SUV and these fucking morons who were still driving it. And that made it pretty easy for the police to track them down in Watertown. And that's where the uh, chase kind of uh, became more dramatic. So these guys who had planned to go to New York City and detonate more bombs, they still had some explosive devices. So they were shooting at the police. They were throwing the devices at the police. Uh, they actually shot one MBTA police officer and... They hit another guy in the head with, I think it was just shrapnel from a bomb, but there was another Boston police officer who was seriously wounded and uh, I believe died actually some years later, possibly as a result of the injury. 
Um, but eventually, they were kind of cornered. They were maybe running a bit low on ammunition. And Tamerlan ended up getting tackled by a cop. I think he charged the cop, but uh, not much of an MMA fighter, I guess. He didn't win the battle. <laughs> he was a boxer, right? Was he? Was this, yeah, he uh, was a boxer. He was actually a very good boxer, apparently. Although, it's my suspicion that he was very not actually good enough to go pro, which is, again, part of why he's a loser. Um, so anyway, he gets tackled, and the cops notice that his brother Johar, who is now driving this SUV, is pinning it, driving straight at them. And Tamerlan, who's full of bullet holes by this point, is probably not much longer for the world, but I think it's kind of delicious that his death actually appears to have been caused by his dumbass brother running him over <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> missing the cop. So, way to wow. go, Johar. Good work. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid criminals. <clears throat> so, yeah, Tamerlan taken to the hospital, couldn't be revived. It's a real pity. And if I was a doctor, I'm pretty sure I'd do my worst work on a guy like that. But. <laughs> You're such a liberal. Jeez, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Well, he calls them losers. Don't you, you remember like where the heart is? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're zapping his feet, nothing's happening. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really very pro terrorist myself. <laughs> no? This is a Canadian in you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, so it was awesome that it was his brother who did him in. Think that it's now. I read this morning that you know if it was the doctor at the hospital, somebody said he wasn't run over. Hmm. Uh, well, I think they have it on camera though. I didn't actually view well, the footage. Well, then, then he was, but this is what I read this morning. Well, I was trying that, to catch up to you this morning. But. Maybe that doctor was doing his best work and going, ah. <laughs> What about these tread things? <laughs> <laughs> Who can tell? <laughs> No, he actually got dragged for a little bit. 20 yeah, feet. he did. He got dragged. <laughs> like, I thought the autopsy was pretty clear that there were severe yeah, yeah, injuries yeah. that would be consistent with being run over. Like, a Yeah, it surprised me to read it. Yeah. But if you like it, it, you know, it's on Wikipedia. That's yeah. where I read it. Um, so. so I don't know why, why it would even be mentioned. <laughs> anyway, nice plug for Wikipedia. You know, <laughs> they were talking about, too, this grassy knoll thing. Uh, never mind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, at this point, you've got a wolf pack of two that has now become a wolf pack of one. We've got a dead Tamerlan. And we've got Johar, who has, after running over his brother, hopped out of the SUV and started just running around looking for a place to hide in Watertown which worked better than I might have guessed because he found a boat with a cover on it that he could sneak into and just kind of lie low. And I'm pretty sure that he hadn't really worked out his long-term plan, but he was probably going to stay there for a month until everything blew over and then walk home. Wasn't he injured? Yes. Yeah, I think he got shot a little bit, right? He actually ended up being shot a lot, but <laughs> I don't know how much of that was from the couple hundred bullet holes in the boat and how much of that was from uh, before. I'm not sure how on earth they didn't kill him in the first place because there were a lot of holes in the boat. Yeah, if you ever hear the audio of the night of where Tamerlan dies, it's the, all the bullets that go off is pretty insane. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I guess he was living a charmed life for that two-hour span, if you want to look at it like that. But he did take a lot of bullets. Um, so the police are 
you know, before they get around to shooting him through the boat. Uh, they're doing door-to-door searches. They're kind of doing whatever they can to track this guy down. But the way that they found Johar was that a dude was out checking on his boat just to kind of make sure everything was cool because uh, he had it dry docked in his backyard. And he actually saw a bloodied person hiding inside it and thought that was probably worth calling the police over. <laughs> so they Squatter. Came. It's a squatter. <laughs> yeah. So that's when they got around to shooting him a bunch of times. And while he was in the boat, uh, Johar had some time to think, and he also found a pencil. So he wrote a screed on the inside of the boat um, all about, you know, how you hurt one of us Muslims, you hurt us all, blah, blah, blah. And how he was claiming that this whole thing was in retaliation for U.S. overseas aggression and specifically for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. So I don't know if that's just trying to rationalize in his own mind or try and make himself look like something. Then There was an, an, was. An, an American that became some kind of... Uh, I yeah, I can this. remember. Um, that I they were listening to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he, that was his stick, is that, so you get this American guy who converts to this Islam mm-hmm. sect um, in Afghanistan, actually. And uh, these two brothers, well, particularly the oldest one and then the younger one, are listening to this guy all the time on the internet and being influenced by him. So I guess they thought, well, this is jihad time, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's get it going. I thought Tamerlan but not so much so Carr was at least somehow connected to a minor terrorist organization, not one like Al-Qaeda, but um, some sort of... Um, Dagestani, actually. Yeah. What was that, Dave? It was a Dagestani organization. Yeah. Um, although I'm not sure that they're strictly limited to the borders of that little place. But, yeah, he definitely had some contact. Although... It appears that they were of the opinion that he was a bit of a loser and weren't really interested in having him aboard. <laughs> so we'll get into that a little bit more a little bit later. But uh, yeah, so, you know, a big part of the reason why I think Tamerlan wanted to do this is because uh, he didn't really have much of a life anywhere. And mm-hmm. if you can't cut it with a terrorist organization when you're looking to blow up Americans and Russians, you're probably <laughs> feeling pretty wounded, I guess. Yeah, I know. That would usually typically be seen as good on the resume. But, you know, yeah. So. It's either that or work at Walmart, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't really that successful in his uh, employment career. <laughs> Couldn't make it at Walmart. <laughs> it's hard to be a greeter. Do you say hello or do you say goodbye right now? I can't remember. Here, hold this bag. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, um, getting back to Johar, we're we're almost done with their escapades for the evening. But uh, Johar was holed up in that boat for quite a while. Eventually, his high school wrestling coach is patched in. Um, to basically try and talk him out and that seemed to have worked although I think what really happened is Tamerlan probably was enough of a zealot that he was okay to give his life Uh, I think that Johar figured that dying for jihad was a pretty cool sounding idea but the reality of it really kind of sucked and eventually he's like not that interested in it so he managed to climb out of the boat which was very tricky because he was pretty shot up and pretty injured so 
a pretty painful experience for him. Pretty delicious for me to see it. <laughs> so we're revealing a lot about our character. <laughs> Craig's a little wow, salty yeah. today. Sheesh. Put your hands up on the table. <laughs> so, so Zokar had a like a wrestling cut, like because I'm thinking of the pictures of him. He looks like he's about sixty pounds. Yeah, he's not a big man. Yeah, he's like six feet tall, but he is skin and bones. I can't imagine him on a wrestling team. Well, I think he was more like around 130, but small guys get to wrestle too. I guess so. And apparently he was really quite good at it and was also a good boxer. Hmm. Not as good as his brother, but, you know, pretty good at those things. So he was reasonably athletic, if diminutive. And uh, again, he all appearances was a pretty well-adjusted teenage kid mm-hmm. hmm. appearances can be deceiving but it's also interesting because all of his friends and teachers and coaches etc would all say this kid didn't do it like this the johar sarnayev that placed this bomb is just a different person i don't know i can't square the two away but in my own opinion it, that doesn't seem quite right i think that this is a kid who spent his entire 19 years uh, showing one face to the world while there's a whole lot of other stuff going on underneath. And, uh, you know, the people who are probably least qualified to understand who he was are the people who knew him since then all you know is what he's presenting and not what he is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it was on April 10, 2014, so about a year after this all happened, that Officer Simmons died of a brain aneurysm. So he's the guy who got hit in the head, I believe, from shrapnel from a blast. Oh, yikes. And they can't tie that conclusively to the to the events of that evening, but it's very a very good chance that that actually was the cause yeah. of his death. So <clears throat> I've got one other crime to refer to here, which I think a lot of us have heard about, and that is a certain triple murder in Waltham, Massachusetts, and it happened on 9-11-2011, which is probably a coincidence, but maybe not. Okay. These are three guys who were suspected drug dealers, probably drug dealers, who were all found murdered in an apartment in Waltham. Their throats cut so bad that their heads are pretty much falling off. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of gruesome. It's yeah, gross, yeah. Yeah. Um, and these were people who were known to Tamerlan Tsarnaev. In fact, one of the victims was someone that Tamerlan had referred to as his best friend on many occasions, someone named Brendan Mess. So there's that kind of connection between the Tsarnaevs and at least one of the victims. Uh, there's some speculation that this had to do with the fact that the three victims were all Jewish, and perhaps there was some sort of a religious beef between mm-hmm. Tamerlan. And then uh, the police never did, I think, actually prove that Tamerlan was involved in this, but they found forensic evidence to place him at the scene. And they also had cell records that show both Johar and Tamerlan in the area the night that this murder was committed. And that was two years before the marathon bombing, right? Okay. Yeah, I guess a year or seven months. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that Tamerlan was already a murderer uh, before they got around to doing the marathon bombings. Um, the murder itself, I mean, it's kind of uncertain what the motives were. These are three drug dealers who their bodies were covered in money and marijuana. And there was really not much, uh, much else to go on. 
but it was like a couple grand in marijuana, $5,000 in cash were found in the apartment. So you'd think that if this was theft, you'd probably take the money and the drugs, but that didn't happen. Well, these two are idiots, though, so maybe they (laughs) forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Do you ever leave your house and go, you know, I know I'm forgetting. You know, I just killed these three people for money. But they left their deposit slip for when the police found (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if they just remembered to grab the potato chips and forgot the weed. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Tamerlan doesn't bother going to the funeral for his alleged best friend, and he skips the country and goes to Dagestan a few months later. Uh, So that also seems suspicious. Like, presumably, if you've got a very good friend who was murdered, you're probably going to show up to the funeral. Uh, And then if you go to an Islamic nation and try to join a group of terrorists, that also tends to make you look somewhat guilty, in my opinion. Uh, anyway, a couple of years later, shortly after the marathon bombings, there was a guy named Ibrahim Todeshev who did know uh, Tamerlan pretty well and was an MMA fighter of some degree. Uh, and he was down in Florida, and the police and the FBI went to go interview him and ask him some questions. And when they were doing that, he actually implicated both himself and Tamerlan in these murders. And then he was apparently about to sign a formal statement to that effect when he decided instead to attack the policeman. There was a couple of stateys and an FBI guy, and I'm not sure who else. Good idea. With a knife. So. Well. That. um, They're consistent anyway. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, So there's no more Mr. (laughs) Todashev. You have the right to remain silent forever. Yeah, so he did claim it was a drug robbery, but again, that seems a pretty (laughs) questionable assertion when you leave the drugs at the scene. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility with (laughs) these people. Maybe not. Okay, so I've covered all the crimes that I know of now, Uh, and I'd just like to quickly go over what the outcome was. Uh, Tamerlan didn't live long enough to face any charges, he is being judged by presumably Allah, but uh, I like to think that's not going very well for him. And then Johar pled not guilty to 30 counts covering various things. Uh, and he was arguing, I guess, from what I can tell, um, based on the fact that he was actually a sophomore at UMass Dartmouth, which, Jill, you're familiar with UMass Dartmouth. <laughs> um, So I believe his argument was you'd be homicidal, too, if you were stuck for four years at UMass Dartmouth. Yeah, that campus sucks. Yeah. So, uh, but it turns out the jury called bullshit on that and figured that he was, in fact, guilty. And on April 8th, 2015, uh, he was pronounced guilty, essentially. Um, And now, actually, he gets to live in an arguably worse place in a penitentiary in Colorado where he gets to spend 23 hours a day in a tiny little cell, and then he gets to walk around in a cage for one hour. And that is his life for presumably the rest of his life, unless, of course, uh, well, I mean, it'd still be for the rest of his life. Well, well, he he got a death sentence. Exactly. And then they... may or may not end up happening. Right, because they they reversed it or something. I can't it's something to do with not finding any untainted jury pool in Boston, which 
<laughs> I think uh, everybody in Boston knew all about the crime. So. Yeah, we were on vacation in Virginia Beach at the time and watched it on television. I remember doing that. Like, cause was the- Craig as excited then as he is now? <laughs> that was uh, vacation, Craig. Yeah, that was vacation. Think Stanley from the office. When Look at those winners. <laughs> You know, there's an interesting side story, and again, if you're going to cover this, um, when they tried to to bury the older brothers, obviously Bobby, um, they had a hell of a time. Mm-hmm. Why? Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. Oh. I ain't not here, not in my backyard. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where did they bury, like, you know, like Ted Bundy and, like, well, is were you going to cover this, Craig? Because I will shut I, up and wait no, for you. No, go ahead. I actually did not have that planned to cover. Oh, okay. So my understanding is that after being turned down by a number of things, uh, they did find a small Muslim, I think it was in Virginia, uh, uh, graveyard to bury him in. And what they did is they told people it was an unknown location. So that bought him some time until people figure out where he is. But they finally did bury him, yes. Wow. But And this went on for quite a while. <laughs> that body was moving around. <laughs> you know, no, I don't want it. <laughs> Gross. You know, I figure that there's plenty of sharks off the coast of the Cape. <laughs> sharks got to eat now. There are, yeah. But you they probably blow up, though. Lead poisoning <laughs> and all the bullets. All right, fair point. And so anyway, yeah, Johar gets to spend the rest of his life, however many years that may be, uh, alone, 23 hours a day, can't talk to anybody, essentially. Well, he gets some contact with his family, I think, but very little contact with anyone. He's not even supposed to talk to the guards. So, you know, arguably, that's actually a fate worse than death. Yeah, uh, I can't yeah, imagine really how screwed is. up that would make yeah. you. They're fighting that out in the courts now. Mm-hmm. If that's cruel and unusual. And reality, yes, it is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 I yeah. think it is cruel and unusual. Um, and he's a young man. Do you imagine how long? Nineteen. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, or he was nineteen when he yeah. did it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, the thing is, and they have a prison down in, I think it's in Oklahoma, where it's like a thousand feet under the ground, oh. and um, you know, they they give them no human contact whatsoever and that's I I mean it's really not you know and I understand that some of these prisons are for the worst of the worst like where Sokar Sarnayev is I believe is also where um, the Aurora shooter is and you know it's people like that but still I mean you can't you can't just torture somebody for 70 years. Yeah, I, I mean, we don't even Do treat... Do you agree with that? <laughs> we don't even treat Charles Manson like that, so... Yeah. Pretty strong so, language. I mentioned to Jill while I was researching this that I thought that was a pretty fitting penalty for him as long as they just blew off his legs with a shrapnel bomb and then on a daily basis asked him what it was like to run over his brother. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to start calling you Marquis. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Craig. (laughs) Got some strong feelings. (laughs) Hey, you got a phone call from your brother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hurry up, the line's hot. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so so there you have it. That's Johar's future. Um, Seems like a bit of a waste of what might have been a semi-promising young life, but... uh, 
uh, you may have been able to tell, I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. How old is he, or was he when he He was 19, 19 when he did it. Yeah, 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 that's old enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was, you know, I think part of his defense was it was all his brother's fault, but no, it's not. I mean, you, you know, this wasn't a let's go spray paint, you know, uh, the side of a school building this is you know let's go murder people and he did with his own accord participate in it Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah, there's got to be something pretty seriously wrong with the kid if he's willing to just go along with this cool idea that his brother had which involves killing three and wounding 260 yeah Yeah. i wonder how much i'm sorry no go ahead i I was saying i wonder how much culture lent itself to this I mean, you're presenting two faces to the world. So you're being the American kid, but inside your own family, you know, where where they're probably Muslims, and and I'm not trying to trash Muslims, but they're more radical, more extreme. Or, yeah, this is what so, you listen to all the time. So. Well, there's definitely radical sex of Muslims. You know, yes. So yeah. Yep. But, did you say radical sex? Sex. Oh, sex. <laughs> The radical sex is when you go off to your 72 virgins after you killed yourself. Yeah, and they're really nuns, Catholic nuns. When you get there, like, oh. No, I was going to say, like, so I've never run the Boston Marathon, but when you run other races and you get to the finish line, which is where this, this was, like, you know, you're elated, you're, you know, so happy, proud of yourself, all that crap, you know, and then to... They so unsuspecting, you know, yeah. and it's so hard to get to run in the Boston Marathon. Like, you can only pick select few as it is. Well, I mean, you really have to like apply to run. So yeah. it's just not just shit. any clown that can run twenty six point two miles. Yeah, it's just such a shitty thing to do. You know, I can't even run twenty six point two feet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these people they they just had they have nothing to do with it. You and know? they got children, women. Yeah, just... one of the people who died, I think, was a child, right? Yeah. Eight years yeah. old. Yeah. Imagine. No, I can't. Here's the thing, though, is like, you know, allegedly they're doing this because of all the violence that the U.S. commits overseas and all of the women and children and innocent civilians that are killed overseas. And it just, although I can sort of see the point that, you know, our foreign policy is guilty of a lot of things and has caused a lot of suffering. The right way to address that cannot be to kill more innocent civilians and you know, right, shred yeah. them. Right, yeah. Like, go point. attack a military yeah. site or something like that, right? But, yeah. They wouldn't get too far. Yeah, yeah that would have also been fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Seriously. I don't Like the guy who attacked the FBI agents. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to get too far off topic, but it's like... Um, not long after that, they bombed an Ariana Grande. Not they, but I think a, a Muslim sect yeah. bombed an Ar- Ariana Grande concert. These are just preteen girls that are fans oh, of her. Yeah. 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 So as they're coming out of the concert and you come out in big groups, set off a bomb. It's, it's just so cowardly. Yeah, 14-year-old uh, girls have nothing to do yeah, with yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, what the I fuck? often think about those four little black girls in uh, Alabama, I believe it was, mm-hmm. that were yeah. killed in the civil rights era. I'm just... Never knew what hit him, thank God. But I mean, it's just what kind of an yeah. animal does exactly. Like, these people have nothing How, to do with he's that. He's so full of hate. Yeah. It's really, wow. Just, uh, yep. yeah. I yes. guess I'm going to go over to Craig's side. <laughs> <laughs> hand, hand me the whip. 
But that is really where I wanted to go here is like, what kind of people do this? What makes someone like this? Uh, to me, you know, usually these shows, the interesting part is we know the victim or victims. We know the crimes. Um, we have a lot of the information about the circumstances. We don't know who did it. So we get to sit around and kind of put together our theories, our wild guesses and speculate on it. In this case, we obviously know exactly who did it. Yeah. But it's really trying to understand the people and understand why they did it that I think is interesting about this case. So, let's start with Tamerlan. At the time of the bombings, he was 27 years old. This is a guy who was born in Kyrgyzstan, which is one of those Muslim-y kind of places that nobody could point to on a map for the most part. And he moved over to the U.S. when he was 16 or 17. I'm not entirely sure which. It was in 2003. Um, at the time of the bombings, he was married and with one child who was two or three years old and actually a pretty cute kid. And um, he was, you know, living with his wife. So he, on maybe the most superficial of levels, maybe seemed like he had a bit of a life. Um, he was in the U.S. on a green card. They had claimed asylum when they came over, both uh, him and his brothers, two sisters and his parents. Uh, so he'd gotten a green card and he was waiting on citizenship at the time of the bombing. Uh, kind of interesting that he's someone who wants to become a U.S. citizen and it's important to him and he wants to bomb us. Yeah, no kidding. That's yeah. fucked up, right? Because you have to apply to be a U.S. citizen. You have a green card and you're not trying to be a citizen, right? Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to serve on a jury. <laughs> Actually, anybody who listens to this podcast would not let me on a jury. So <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> um, Actually, they'd let you on in most Texas juries right now. Yeah, and in Florida. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you do well yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you want to kill You people? could knit a noose and they would still put you on the table. <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right, you hear that, Texas? We're coming. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Tamerlan was, as the oldest son, he was the golden boy of the family. Uh, everybody revered him in the family and you know they all thought the sun shone out of his asshole and uh kind of you know what he said was pretty much what you did he maybe wasn't more in charge than his father but maybe sort of was in a way he really carried a lot of weight in that family and he didn't really use that in the most um <clears throat> gentle of ways he was domineering bossy kind of a douche um there was a quote from one of the people who knew them, who's, uh, I think, a Chechen immigrant, who said of that uh, society, of that culture, that your big brother is not quite God, but he's more than a normal brother. So, I mean, this is kind of the thing. Is, is that supposed to be a compliment? Yeah. It's an observation of the way yeah. it is. Yeah. So, you know, people who try to excuse Johar would point to how domineering his brother was and actually intimidating. So when people wouldn't just go along with what he says because he's the golden boy, he wasn't above, you know, I'm six foot three and I could knock your head off kind of intimidation. Um, yeah, so people who want to excuse Johar, they can kind of point to that and maybe think that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, not that his faulty kind of an approach to it. Um, but anyway, yeah. The guy, he was like the golden boy of the family. He kind of acted like a bit of a douche. He was a bit of a shit. Um, but they still practically revered him. 
Uh, Johar apparently looked up to him pretty much unquestionably, uh, or unquestioningly. Um, and at least early on in his U.S. existence, Tamerlan seemed fairly normal to other people. Uh, he was outgoing, actually, uh, although maybe not totally well socially adjusted and, you know, had an accent and he was a bit flashy. I kind of picture him as being a slightly more violent version of Borat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good picture. <laughs> <laughs> and it's maybe actually more accurate than you might imagine, because <laughs> Borat was either his favorite movie or one of his favorite movies, so perhaps that was a role model for him. He just didn't know it was a comedy. <laughs> this is for real, man. Yeah. Subtitled how did flourish in America. Neither did a lot of our senators, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but he certainly changed over time, and... You know, that did have to do with maybe a few things. But one of them was, I think Don was mentioning a few minutes ago, uh, Islam. Uh, and that sort of, the, the people that he saw on the internet who were preaching a fairly extreme interpretation of Islam. Um, and actually, one observation in line with that is a friend of his wife had said that he seemed normal initially, but when he turned to Islam, he became violent towards his wife, and he pushed religion on her and brainwashed her. Which, that's the cocktails part of cocktails, <laughs> mocktails, and crime. <laughs> oh, I'm very sorry. I had to go. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Crime and wine. Uh, anyway, so one of the data points that a lot of us have of him is that he was a top-tier amateur boxer, and he had been quite successful in the Golden Gloves. He was, I believe, the regional champ in New England. And That's impressive. That is, yeah. So he was definitely good at boxing. And he wanted to compete for the U.S. in the Olympics. Again, seems strange. You want to attack the country that you want to represent in the Olympics and where you're trying to get citizenship, but that's what he wanted to do. And one of the things that may have been an inflection point in this whole story is that he was not allowed to compete for the national title in the Golden Gloves because they put in a rule not long before he would have competed that banned people from competing in the national championships if they're not U.S. citizens, which he at that time was not. So I'd like to break in and talk about a motivation here for whether you're a Klansman or this fella or some extreme group you belong to. That sense of belonging is a prime driver. Right? So he, he obviously, after that, he couldn't think he belonged here. Right? Mm -hmm. So where did he get that sense of belonging? Who did he belong to? Right. Mm -hmm. Who was he fighting for? Uh, what gave him meaning in his life? The uh, other thing there is the rejection. Now, remember um, Charles Manson. For example, yeah. what started all of that was that he wanted a record deal, and he met somebody who could have given him a record deal, and the person didn't want to give him one. So damn those Beach Boys. Some people just like you know, in in Manson's case, there's obviously narcissism, but um, and that could very well be with um, you know Sarnaev. Uh, but people like that, they cannot take criticism, they cannot take rejection, and they can go into fits of absolute rage over it. I, I think what Craig said about the, the difference probably between uh, Manson and, and this fellow here, um, 
Manson had a lot of abandonment, abuse in his yeah, life. Yeah, he did. Whereas this guy was the golden boy, you know, was yeah. probably when he was knee high to a grasshopper, being getting messages from his family, from people, how wonderful he was, and how special, and how things should just happen good for him. And um, that just gets back to that belonging thing, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of these Americans who go over and join some of these groups overseas, these, these radical groups, they, they belong now all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a big driver. Um, it's QAnon, too. They have that, yeah, yeah. you know. It's like you have this sense of, I'm now part of something that's bigger than me. Yeah. And that's so. dangerous in some cases. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you think of that, Craig. I didn't mean to break in so much. No, no, no. I appreciate it. And actually, I do think that's a large part of this. It's definitely relevant. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, it's also he would have had some sense of abandonment because I was planning to touch on this in the next episode. Okay. But his parents did not stay in the United States. And I think it had a real impact on Johar, in fact that the parents moved away shortly before the bombings happened. And so the boys would have felt a little bit left adrift. And, no kidding. Yeah. And it's, you know... So then the younger brother would have felt even more attached to his older brother. They right? were yeah. adults, though. Yeah, although Johar appears to have been a real mama's boy as well, and I think was pretty heavily impacted by his parents moving away right about the time he was going off to college. Um, it seems clear that Tamerlan didn't have much of a sense of belonging. Uh, one of the quotes that's frequently found regarding him is that he'd said that he had no friends in the U.S. He didn't understand them. So, you know, that family's gone. Um, you were the golden boy, but now you can't make it as a pro boxer. You are occasionally a pizza delivery guy, but you're mostly just staying at home watching the baby while your wife earns all the money. It's got to be a real kick to the balls oh, for a guy like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah in a patriarchal uh, um, religion and stuff like that, that would be a killer. And yeah. both he and Zokar had um, serious substance abuse histories, right? Yeah, I think Johar had pretty much just <clears throat> smoked weed and oh, drunk okay. a lot, but I'm not so sure that that was true of Tamerlan. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, there are studies on trauma and how it relates to substance abuse and it can relate to violent behavior obviously childhood and adulthood traumas yeah there's, so. there's no shortage of theories for these things um, or models for these things. I, I think it's very good that you're looking at motive so I think if there, if ever society has ever a chance to identify these people before they do what they do um, you've got to understand these motivations what you're looking for I know that's what yeah. profiling is all about what motivates this kind of person. Right, yeah. And I know the FBI did provide a profile in this case. I, I don't remember how accurate it was. I, uh, but they were called in. I mean, everybody got called in, all the federal agencies and everything. Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, hell, they even called in that actor, that guy who plays on the cop show there. I don't they really? Are you being serious? <laughs> no, they made a movie of it, and he was just—he <laughs> played the cop. <laughs> uh, Mark Wahlberg, right? Mark so, Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, so okay. I'm, I'm the comedian of the group. Um, <laughs> we can tell. Yes. <laughs> All right. So moving back to Tamerlan and his <laughs> "Who is Tamerlan?" Who? segment. Um, 
so he there was a lot of pressure on him to succeed at boxing. His father had trained him. That was like the big family's hope or the family's big hope was that he would become a successful boxer. The rug kind of gets pulled out from under him. Um, but you can't use, hey, I couldn't compete in the National Golden Gloves as a, an excuse for not being a pro boxer. I think the fact is he was just really pretty good for a guy who can't make it as a pro and didn't. And so he was the golden boy, and then he turned into a guy who went to a local community college in an accounting program, failed out of it, didn't have a job, waited for his wife to bring home the money, uh, didn't have a sense of belonging because <clears throat> his you know, family is largely left and disintegrated. And, uh, you know, there was a point where he kind of was fishing around for something to give his life some meaning, to have some belonging and to, you know, not feel like a loser. Um, so also a little bit worth noting is that although he's largely in some ways assimilated and he's got friends, he was pretty shy with girls. He went to the prom alone because none of his friends could talk a girl into going to the prom with him. Wow, what a loser. No kidding. <laughs> oh, that's not... <laughs> Craig just said that they couldn't even talk anyone into going with him. And then it didn't occur to him to go with his friends, like in a friend group. Mm -hmm. Oh, so he went all by himself? Oh, is that Tamerlan? That's Tamerlan. I actually don't know about Johar's prom. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't go, but I don't have any info there. I did get the impression that Johar was actually relatively well-liked. Um, and in yeah. fact, he, he even had a couple people that got in some legal trouble trying to hide his laptop after the, oh, um, you know, after the bombing. So he had some social skills. It seems like, you know, if, if one was outgoing, the probably both brothers might have been a little bit more on the extroverted side anyways. Uh, outgoingness is obviously a, symptom, a trait of extroversion, but... Um, you know, so they might have had, I've, I've had the impression that Zokar was generally, you know, he might not have been like the coolest kid in school, but he had his friends and had a decent amount. Yeah, he was actually really skillful in any social sphere, it seemed like. He went <clears throat> sort of from one friend group to another. He mostly hung out with good kids, but he was pretty much fluent in all circles. Uh, so he clearly, you know, was able to relate to people and and play the good, you know, he maybe wasn't extroverted, but he could certainly play the part of being outgoing and sociable. Um, <clears throat> but anyway. Uh, what kind of a brother would want to influence, or it's like a father, son, brother, younger brother. Why would you want to influence somebody into that? Terror, you know, it's maybe I'm asking a stupid question, but I no, mean, I mean, maybe though, it's if you really believe in the cause, maybe you're pulling him in because you believe in it. I don't know if that's the case with these two jackals. Well, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I saw a lot of people January 6th who believed in the cause. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten the impression though, it's interesting that neither one of these two, especially Zokar, but even Tamerlan did not really seem like he was that strongly believing in it. It's interesting. Like, he, you know... He believed in his brother. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Joe Hart, with maybe a couple of exceptions, never appeared to have done or said anything that would give people reason to believe he was particularly religious. He mostly seemed like, yeah, technically I'm Islam, but I don't care. You know, that was kind of the vibe that he gave off all the time. And there were just a couple of cracks that indicated otherwise, a lot of it in tweets. Mm -hmm. And in one particular conversation he had with some friends that they mentioned later on, which I will get to. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, also interesting about Tamerlan is that he was a very good musician and composer, uh, and he wanted to be an engineer. So, I mean, the guy had some talents, uh, being a very good musician, a very good boxer, um, a good Borat impersonator. But in the end, it wasn't really enough to get him sort of into a good place in his life. So he wanted to be an engineer, ended up going to Bunker Hill Community College for accounting, dropped out to try and pursue his Olympic dream, didn't really get anywhere. So it was in 2008 that he dropped out of college, and this is generally identified as where his life went seriously south and kind of took a dark turn, um, you know, where he's not really belonging anywhere. And, you know, tons of young men go through this phase where they can't figure themselves out and, you know, you may kick around for three or four or five years. When, when do you think I'll get over it? I'm <laughs> 70 now. I... There's no hope for you, Don. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, during this point in time, he had an uncle who suggested that he join the army, and his response was that he refused to kill his brother Muslims. But, you know, as, as you just pointed out, both of these boys didn't seem particularly Muslim for most of their time in the United States. But this was an inflection point, is Tamerlan drops out of college, he has nothing going for him, apparently, and he's having a hard time adjusting to life. Um, he's displaying some signs of violence. He had a domestic violence complaint lodged against him and subsequently dropped. That was in 2009. And his mother, somewhere around this time, urged him to become, to get into Islam, to basically study the Quran uh, in an effort to stop being such a drunk loser. She wanted him to kind of straighten up his life. And, you know, she doted on both her boys, all her kids, really, from what I can tell. But she seems to have known that uh, the Tamerlan was kind of a nasty douche and that she thought that the cure for him was going to be religion, which billions of people have thought the same thing over the centuries. So you can kind of forgive her on that one. But there was more to it than just that. Like, from a family friend, the story came out that at one time he had confided to his mom that it felt like there were two people living in him. That, uh, that there, essentially that there was like a voice trying to urge him to do some pretty outrageous things. And so, you know, it seems like a psychiatrist might not have been a bad way to go at that time. They went to religion, which many yeah. people have done. But, uh, you know, we may not be sitting here talking about this if she had picked another way. But I think that she was not really willing to admit that there was something wrong with the perfect child. At least not that wrong, though, right? Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, and I don't know if he had other symptoms of schizophrenia, but schizophrenia normally will start showing symptoms in late teens, but it's not unheard of for it to be more close to our later 20s mm. for schizophrenic symptoms to start appearing. I so, did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know that either. But, you know, um, sort of in a similar vein of reasoning, and I can't help thinking about his boxing career where he had been trained pretty hard from his father who driven him really hard actually from a young age 
this kid's brain might have been just messed up from boxing too. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, that's another aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Uh, I can't. That's why they abbreviated CTE. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, they attribute that to football, but obviously you could get it from boxing, any sport. Particularly from boxing, yeah, Yeah, you'd think. Yeah, Yeah. so, and, you know, Aaron Hernandez. You've heard of punch drunk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I've known punch drunk people. Yeah. Hernandez, at only 27, had a very advanced case, too. Yeah. So. It's a shame. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a real possibility of that. And, you know, if the kid's training really hard when he's really young with people who can hit him hard enough to hurt him but not hard enough to knock him out, you can take a lot more shots that way and you can do a lot more damage. And do you know what a lot of... Um, I, I don't believe you should learn to box too much for, well, from a lot of fathers go overboard on that. No, I'm going to teach yeah. him to be tough, you know. Um, a lot don't, but some do. So, we know, we have no idea what his dad did to him. But yeah. 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 Of course, if you're competing, too, in Golden Gloves, you're going to get hit hard. So, I mean, and those guys know how to punch. So. Yeah, and they've got, well, they take more care in, in protecting their box, but you're right. They're Golden Gloves. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean. Yeah. So, a real possibility. But again, uh, his mother, her name for those who are keeping score is Zubedet, uh, she found him a tutor whose first name is Mikhail and whose last name is something I won't attempt. Uh, this guy, though, was tutoring Tamerlan in Muslimness, and he was a guy who claimed that he could exercise demons. So again, it makes me wonder if the mom thought, there's something going wrong in my kid's head, I'm just going to take this path to fix it. Yeah, did mom know that? That this guy thought he could do that? Yep. Wow. Yeah, so, anyway... She... I should have thought of that with my kids. <laughs> it just occurs to me. Oh, I'm sorry. who told us there were demons all around us. <laughs> Under the bed, weren't they? And Under in the, the closet? bed, in the closet, and if you lied, you'd have bloody claw prints. It would be <laughs> all that was left of your now. body. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They make all this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they're very consistent in the stories that they tell. <laughs> so, anyway, um, nobody in that family was much religious, apparently, before this 2009 conversion. His mother became way more devout at about this time, and he became really a zealot at about this time. By 2011, he was off the deep end. He completely stopped drinking. Man, he, oh, that's un America. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Red flag. Um, sorry Dave Uh, he'd stop drugs entirely I think although I'm a little bit suspicious that he was a bit of a faker there stop partying he quit boxing he quit music so he totally gave himself over to his faith he was doing the standard pray five times a day Uh, he spent lots of time on the internet so Don you were mentioning earlier on uh, sort of self-radicalizing Islamic websites US conspiracy sites Infowars. Thank you, Alex Jones. <laughs> Once again. I swear to God, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> Alex yeah. Jones. Mm-hmm. Talk about scum of the earth. Yeah. Yep. Talk about criminals. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, so if you want conspiracies about <laughs> this nation that you're trying to become a citizen of and you want to fight for them in the Olympics, Alex Jones is your guy. Good to know. Yeah. 
Um, I actually had another quote that I saw from someone who knew Tamerlan who said, quote, it was crazy because back a few years ago, Timmy was so like us. A regular dude, boxing, going to school, hanging out, partying all the time, but then he changed and became anti-fun. Um, so this is, you know, kind of encapsulates the trajectory this guy was on. He was just a regular loser, and then he became this fanatic Muslim loser uh, in 2011. Um, I'm sure that a number of people, I mean, in our own family, um, I'm not going to name this individual, but we we have a member of our family who was during the 60s in the SDS, Young Socialist Alliance, what have you, ended up being Southern Baptist minister, and the conversion was very quick and very thorough, uh, and he really had the gleam in his eyes, you know, so it does, it does mm. happen to people. You it, have some sort of a need, you need that belonging, whatever it gives you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 I appreciate the interruptions. Like I say, interrupt any time. So another kind of anecdote that I find interesting, the kind of illustrates it is that uh, when Johar's friends visited the Cernayev home uh, Tamerlan would make them work out because he thought they were just a bunch of lazy kids playing video games all the time and that wasn't good for them so kind of the domineering douche that he is when his younger brother and friends come over to hang out he makes them do workouts instead of kind of hanging out doing what they want Uh, but later like in 2011 he'd make them study Islam instead. So, <laughs> so Johar didn't really have a lot of friends come over. Really ever, but <laughs> it pretty much stopped then. Um, so as I mentioned, Tamerlan was uh, generally unemployed uh, and spending off his wife. Um, and he was pretty much an internet addict, so a lot of his radicalization came from the internet. Which uh, can make you really crazy. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you think about how insane some of the stuff on the internet. Just look yeah. at most Facebook memes. They're just batshit. Yeah. Well, and there are internet groups that are like targeting these kinds of people too yeah. in order oh, yeah. to pull them into their sure. cults yeah. or yeah. sect. Oh, yeah. That's definitely a main vector. And that's, of course, where he learned to make bombs. And I actually didn't find this in my research, but I'm pretty sure I'm right just based on intuition. I spent a lot of time wanking while the wife was at work. <laughs> spent a lot of time what? Jerking off, Craig. Uh, yeah. Internet uh, addicts. Yeah. 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 Gia, Gia. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Thanks, Craig. So. Thanks, Craig, for that little tip. You're welcome Jill, for that do you remember detail. being woken up at six in the morning and forced to sing yeah. religious songs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I was on vacation with a certain the, family, the, yeah. He so, who and, shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> so when people are into something, they're into it. Yeah. yeah re- religion can definitely have that impact mm-hmm. on people. And, mm-hmm. and conspiracy theory can too, because I mean, in you think about part of the psychology of conspiracy theory is that you really have this vulnerability, and so you are looking to explain the world in this way that there's just these groups that is controlling everything and that's why nothing goes right for you but you figured it out and you're going to expose it and so there's a whole level of psychology behind that Mm -hmm. that definitely when you think of conspiracy theory it can get dangerous and we'll 
uh, you know, when we talk about the insurrection, I'll definitely be talking about QAnon quite a bit and what that actually is. And, you know, alien lizard people and all that. That was a recent murder by a person who's convinced his children were descendants of alien lizards. Mm-hmm. Not that Davy's plugging his upcoming <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> all right. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, but anyway, my wife needs to get out the door, so I will try and conclude this quickly. All right, part, now up. part two. You will go to part two, and that'll be more on the motivation and the. Yeah. So let me just finish Tamerlan, and I'll do the. You said I could interrupt week. at any point. Any time, asking yes. anything oh, we want. Did I also mention uh, I'll cut you all off at any time? What do you time? think of this China <laughs> thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd mentioned earlier that in 2012, January 2012. Tamerlan went off to Dagestan because he wanted to fight against the Russians with uh, an Islamic group there. They told him to go screw. They didn't trust him. Uh, They told him it wasn't his fight and go home. Um, But interestingly, the Russians, before Tamerlan had left the United States to go there, had already warned the FBI about this guy. And so he was being investigated by the FBI. And they ultimately concluded that Tamerlan was not actually a threat. So he... Goes wow. over in January 2012, stays six months, comes home. He's been investigated, and they're, like, not all that well, concerned. He was on the terror watch list. Well, let's hope that they do some analysis of what is it that we yeah, missed. Where did they go yeah. wrong? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a miss. Um, but anyway, he was able to come back and uh, spend some more time with his lovely wife before he met his end. Uh, and that's kind of interesting, too, his wife was uh well i guess is from a pretty well-off family and i believe connecticut you know just your normal i think soft-hearted american girl but uh he converted her to islam and you know she she went whole hog as well she'd wear the hijab um very differential to him he cut her off from the family it's kind of like he's trying to brainwash her and it got to the point where she would actually affect uh an Arab accent like she adopted a bullshit accent in order to I guess more fit the part Um, you know and she did that all while she was supporting him Um, so a very humiliating position for him in his life Uh, interestingly also there's an investigative reporter named Michelle McPhee who wrote a book called Maximum Harm who said that she believes he was an FBI asset and that this is part of the reason why he was not considered a threat, despite the fact that the Russians had alerted oh, the FBI. I'd like to read that book. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. And Let's put that out on the website. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have to tell Gracia and yeah. she's not here. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, she thinks that the FBI dangled U.S. citizenship in front of Tamerlan to try and get him to, you know, provide for them. No. Uh, but it seems like his citizenship application was likely just about to be approved, but that he didn't know it and thought it had been delayed and maybe it had been oh. kiboshed. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's highly speculative. I kind of doubt that he was an FBI ax- asset. Yeah, but, I tend to doubt that, too. Um, well, but, you know, well, look at some of, some of their assets have been. <laughs> yeah. Whitey Bulger, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> read Maximum Harm and get back to me. Let me know. <laughs> um, and then there was also some question as to whether these guys were the ones who built the bombs. Um, I think this comes from her book, but, you know, 
basically there wasn't a whole lot of powder, black powder in their cars or their rooms or anything like that. So there was some speculation they didn't do it. But uh, So the FBI did it? Or the alien lizard? Whoa, are we going down a dark? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, like, because, I mean, the thing is, is that as far as him being an FBI asset, you would think if that was true, they would have, number one, they would have known exactly who he was when they first had the pictures of him. I mean, they would have immediate, and they would have probably hidden that. <laughs> so, right. I mean, they probably wouldn't have broadcast his pictures saying, does anybody know who this is? Yeah. You know, so you're like, saying he would have disappeared on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, yeah. Yeah, that I makes mean, sense. So. To me, it seemed a little far-fetched, but I had to throw that bone out actually, into the crowd. Actually, I, I think that's a good bone to look into, actually. Yeah, yeah there's got to be more meat to that one. That's, or Morrow, maybe I should have said Morrow. <laughs> Anyway, that's all I have for today. The plan next week, Don, is to go over Johar in detail and then a little bit more the speculation about, or not speculation, the coming up with the definitive and true answer about why they did what they did. All right. Oh, that's great. Sounds yeah, like a great fun job. One. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. All right, He's well. got the perfect radio voice. Oh, does he? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Yeah, yeah, he's I got the, the perfect, perfect radio, radio face. face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we're not going on TV. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't gotten around to putting up the cameras yet. Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktailsmocktailsandcrime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Or Twitter at CMCrime1. See you all next week. <laughs>